You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, in this parable, Jesus puts before us the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he puts this parable about the kingdom not only before us, but before the Pharisees, before the disciples, before his followers, in fact, before the whole world. We see the audience that Jesus intends for this parable just by the fact that the parable itself is so extensive. There's so many moves and turns. There's so many characters. Most of the parables of Jesus are very simple. They just have a few actors, one scene. A man finds a treasure and he sells everything to go and buy the field or The shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness to go and find the one sheep. This is how the parables mostly are, very short snippets. But this is an extended parable that really is going to move us through the Old Testament and into the New, from the prophets to the apostles, even to the end of the world and the judgment. So, Jesus begins, The king has a son who is getting married. And he's throwing a feast for his son. Many of the best people have been invited to the feast so that when everything is ready, the food is set, the food is cooked, the table is set, and everything for the feast is ready, the king sends out his servants to bring those who were invited to join them for the feast. So far, so good. But those who were invited to the wedding feast didn't come. They simply ignored the invitation. They brush off the king and his servants. So the king tries again. The servants come back. They don't have any guests. So he sends the servants out to compel the guests to come to the feast. But again, they don't come. Some of them kept working. Some of them kept farming. And if this wasn't bad enough, the rest of them, Jesus says, take the king's servants and abuse them and kill them. So the king learns of this, and he sends his army now to destroy the murderers and to burn down their town. Now, I think this is a good place to pause And just to make note of the fact that when the parable starts, a king had a wedding feast for his son, this is not where you expect it to go (laughs) to get to this point where there's all of a sudden armies and destruction and a smoldering town. But this is a parable of warning. The king is God the Father. The son is our Lord Jesus. The marriage feast is the church the feast of kindness and mercy established by the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The invited people thus far in the parable are the Jewish people, and the servants sent to gather them are the prophets, sent by the Lord to call the people to repentance, to the promise of forgiveness, and to the joy of the gospel. But they would not. Notice, in fact, that their wood-notting, their rejection of the invitation, comes in two types. 
There are those on the one hand who disdain the gospel and ignore the preaching of the prophets. And then there are the rest who act with violence and abuse, who beat and murder the prophets. When Jesus is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he looks down at Jerusalem and describes it like this. And this is just in the very next chapter of Matthew, Matthew 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. Now, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in the parable. Age after age, the Lord sent preachers of righteousness to the people. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, all the prophets, all the preachers of law and gospel to call the people to repentance, to the, to the contrition over their sins and to the joy and comfort of the gospel. But the people, age after age, either ignored the invitation or came with anger and violence upon the messengers. So that Jerusalem, according to Jesus, is known as this, the city that kills the prophets. So what does the king do to those who killed his messengers? We heard it already. Jesus says the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Now this in the parable especially refers to the Romans who came to Jerusalem and destroyed it in the year 70 A.D. The temple uh, then in that siege, the temple was torn apart and the city was, was devastated. Jerusalem was utterly destroyed. Jesus, in fact, not only in this parable, but in a lot of his teaching about the end times, warns the people of this attack by the Romans and the Christians who heard Jesus and believed his word, most of them escaped Jerusalem without being destroyed, but the rest were utterly decimated. But then the parable continues. After this campaign has ended, after the soldiers have gone out and destroyed the city of the murderers, the king is going to send out his servants again. No one who was invited to the feast is left alive. So the servants are to go out into the streets and invite the people in, the strangers. And they are to gather all that they can find, according to Jesus, the good and the evil, so that the wedding feast would be full. Now, these servants are the apostles and ministers of the New Testament. And the strangers that they're finding on the street are the Gentiles, the people of all the nations who are being brought into the church. Remember, when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, He sends out His apostles and He tells them how it is that he, they are to bring in all the nations. Jesus says, and this text should be very familiar to us, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And look, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus says, go and find the people, the good ones and the bad ones. It doesn't matter. Because He, Jesus Himself, will make them worthy of this feast through His teaching and through His gift of baptism. 
The bringing in the people into the wedding feast, according to Jesus, is through baptism and teaching. So that the gospel of Christ cleanses us. It makes us holy. It forgives our sins. Baptism comes and washes away our sin and clothes us in the righteousness of Christ. And by faith, these promises that the Lord gives clothe us in the very righteousness of Christ. And this, dear saints, is the kingdom of God. This is the wedding feast of the Son. And this is glorious. It is amazing, I think, to pause and reflect again here how the Lord Jesus is pleased to describe His church as a wedding feast, a feast of joy, a feast of gladness, where there's food and drink, song and dance, where there's happiness and joy. I think one of the problems that we have is that we think the more serious we treat something, the more joyless it has to be, the more somber we have to act. But not for Jesus. His church is the wedding feast of the Son. And, and I don't know about you, but I would, I would like it if Jesus stopped the parable right there. <laughs> but He doesn't. I mean, remember, this is a parable of warning. And He has one more word of warning for us before it is finished. Now that all the people have been brought into the wedding and the party is in full swing, the king comes in to observe the festivities and he finds there, amongst all the beautiful and glorious guests, one who is not wearing a wedding garment. Here's the parable, the verses, Matthew twenty-two, twelve and following. The king said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This coming of the king to the wedding feast is the judgment that comes at the end, either at the end of our life or at the end of the world when we stand before God. And on that day, some will get what they deserve for their sins, eternal condemnation and hell. This is not a popular thing to talk about or preach about, but Jesus speaks of it in no uncertain words here. He calls this condemnation, this hell, an outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus is reminding us, He's warning us, that there is a judgment to come. And there is condemnation. And there is the threat of eternal destruction. And, and this, that we are not safe if we are simply guests in the wedding. That is, just by being in church. The thing that matters here is the wedding garment. It's the garment that makes the difference between life and death, between heaven and hell, between the resurrection to life and the resurrection to condemnation. So what is this garment? What does it mean to be clothed with wedding clothes? 
Dear friends, this is not the garment of your works. Isaiah preaches about those and calls them filthy rags. These are not the garments of your efforts, your will, your sincerity, your kindness to your neighbor, your sincere love of God. None of these things. The wedding garment is the garment of Christ. It is His righteousness, His perfection, His obedience, His death and resurrection. And to be clothed in this garment means to trust in Jesus, to believe His promise that your sins are forgiven, and to believe that that promise is true. We see pictures of this garment all throughout the Scriptures, but perhaps most beautifully in the Revelation. Revelation chapter 7 gives us the image of John who sees a great crowd of people coming out of this earth into heaven itself. And he asks John who they are, and John says, you know. So the angel tells him. Here's the verse, Revelation, 4, or Revelation 7, verse 14. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, to get this picture, I want you to imagine that you're born wearing a white robe. And every time you sin, there's a stain on that robe. Every time you fail to love, there's another mark. Every time you cursed, every time you doubt God's mercy, there's another tear in the robe. Every thought, word, or deed that is shaped by anger or by lust, or by greed, or by bitterness, there's another blemish on the robe. Every time you worried and fretted, every time you wanted something that God hadn't given to you, there's another spot. I mean, you get the idea, right? And now the saints come out of the great tribulation, wearing these robes that they were born with, that are simply... Filthy, in threads, disgusting, they smell. And they take off these robes and they go and they dip them in this vat of lamb's blood and pull them out. And imagine it. They come out perfectly clean, white, gleaming, perfect. And they are clothed. Now this, dear friends, is beautiful. You and I stand before God to be judged. Not dressed in the robes of our own works, but rather clothed in Christ. Paul says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He is the wedding garment. He is our hope and our joy. He is our holiness and our righteousness and our perfection. He is our life and our forgiveness and our peace. So, rejoice. You are in the wedding feast and you are clothed with Christ. You have His Word 
You have His righteousness, which means that you have His mercy and kindness. And because you are clothed in Him, you are made worthy by the Holy Spirit even to sit in the feast of the King. This is our hope in this life and in the life to come. To God be the glory. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.